Well, we get the joy this morning to reflect deeply about Jesus and his coming during Advent from a wonderful passage in Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, open those up to Luke chapter 1 this morning. We get to, to slow down during Christmas season, what we would call Advent season. That word Advent is, is the Latin word which means coming or arrival, where we, we look back, we celebrate Jesus' first coming, and we, we con- consider and allow our hearts to anticipate his second Advent, his second coming as victorious King and Savior. And we're, we're coming to a text today that it's actually a song, a prayer about Jesus' first coming and reflects about his his second coming as well. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a song of Mary. It, it's actually often referred to, you might actually have in your Bible there, called the Magnificat. And it's, it's termed that from the, the Latin version of the text, which that first verse, which we'll read here in a moment, my soul magnifies the Lord. Her exalting in God. It's a beautiful story, uh, song, and it echoes, it echoes, as we read through it, Old Testament passages. It, it actually has allusions to particular passages. One of them is Hannah's song from 1 Samuel. As we've been in 1 Samuel uh, through this fall, we, we've been witnessing Israel and their, their sort of waywardness, asking for a king wrongly, and yet God in his grace and his mercy sovereign grace, working all of that to provide a better king, a, a true king to save his people. We're going to see that connection here soon. Mary's song is a, is a song of worship. Uh, it's, a, it's a joyful response to what she is encountering in God's glory and his salvation being fulfilled in Jesus' coming. Who has come to save his people? And as we, as we read, as we reflect on this text this morning, my, my hope, my prayer is that her song, what should do, is to move our souls to the same thing. A song to move us to worship, to, to joy, to praise because of God and what he has done because of who he is, fulfilling his promises to bring a Savior, Jesus. And I hope my, our hearts will be moved to that this morning on this Christmas Eve and and as we, as we do that this morning, I want us to, to begin by, before we read, to kind of figure out how we got to this song here this morning. Take a moment of what has taken place so far in the Gospel of Luke. So what, is, what has happened prior to this? Well, in this first chapter, we see, if you have your Bibles, you can kind of like scan through here. There's this anticipation of a, another child to come and we see this man named Zechariah who was a priest and he encounters an angel and he's told that he and his wife are going to have a son. And this seems very impossible and unlikely because they are very old. They don't, maybe in their late 60s, 80s, we don't know. But they're old. This is not the time to have children. And the child's name is to be John and they are told that he will make ready or prepare the hearts of God's people the Messiah. Then an angel shows up and visits a woman named Mary, Gabriel. 
visits Mary and she is found to have favor with God and she's told that she will conceive and bear a son and she's to call this child's name Jesus. Jesus means God saves or the the Lord is salvation. Now for both Mary and Elizabeth, they're, they're, they're kind of put together with this with impossible birth situations. Elizabeth, her old age, and Mary, she is not yet married. She is a virgin. Both extraordinary births, but this is something God has done before. We, we witnessed this. Someone like Sarah, Abraham's wife, when she was also told she would have a child. They are also very old, and God told Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? And so when Mary asks the angel, how, how is this possible The angel tells her that Elizabeth, which is actually a relative of hers, is conceived a son. And and the angel tells her, for nothing will be impossible with God. So this is Mary's reply to the angel in that moment earlier in Luke, in verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. This impossible thing, this promise that he communicates that she would conceive a son and he would be the the Son of God, the Son of the Most High, she says, let it be to me according to your word. Both Mary and Elizabeth display this amazing humility of believing and trusting in the Lord's word. So Mary goes and visits Elizabeth, her relative, and when they meet up, the baby within Elizabeth jumps, leaps for joy, And Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit, and Elizabeth proclaims a blessing on Mary. And this is where we come to her song in verse 46. So let's read, and then we will pray. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let's pray. Well, Lord, I thank you that we get to come this morning and we get to echo that angelic song, glory to God, glory to God in the highest. We get to do that because of your your kindness, because of your love, and because your mercy that has come to us this morning. Lord, and we, we get to worship you with joy because we have experienced the good news of great joy that was not just for them long ago, but Lord, for all people, and we know that now. And so Lord, we thank you for, 
for breaking in with your love and your mercy and your grace. You entered into our our brokenness and into our darkness and lostness, and we have seen the light of Jesus and the promises that were told for generations ago has now come and been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and we know that. And Lord, I just I pray this morning as we think about Mary's song, as we consider, Lord, what it did for her heart, what it, it do the same thing for us, that our souls would be filled with fresh joy and gladness because of what you have done for us, Jesus. And so come, come by your spirit. Let us know, know that this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I think we can, we can consider or capture Mary's song in, in three parts this morning. One is we're going we're gonna to see her heart. We're gonna, she's responding in this song of, because of what God has done to in her or for her personally. And then we see God's character. She describes who he is. And then we see and we encounter God's activity fulfilling his covenant promises and a savior for his, pay, for his people. So let's begin with, with Mary's heart in these first verses. She begins pouring out her heart before the Lord. These are words inspired by the Holy Spirit. And she sings, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. This, we hear this, this personal expression flowing from, from her heart. That This is a, a Hebrew poetry parallelism that's going on. It's expressing similar things. Her, her soul, her spirit, this is, this is her heart. The very depths of her being, she is magnifying, glorifying the Lord. And it, it is with joy. She rejoices in God, her Savior. And as she sings and as she prays, we, we're seeing, even what we'll see later with Hannah's song, it, it, it's like Scripture has been so filled in her heart as a, as a young Jewish girl that she's echoing the realities of Old Testament promises and scriptures. Like Psalm 34, 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And come, let us exalt His name together. Or as the prophet foretold that, that God would come to save His people, even though they were in a desert land, life would come from something like Isaiah 35, The ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads, they shall obtain joy and gladness. An expectation of a Messiah to come, a promise given to, to Mary that that has come in Christ now. And she is joining in this awaited promise of God for salvation and she is seeing that day. I don't pick any kind, up any kind of cold, sort of religious duty here. She has encountered God himself and the promises of God are flowing from her heart to the Lord and it's spilling out in affection in praise. My soul magnifies the Lord. Let's consider this word magnify for a moment because we can, we can consider magnify in one sense that we do use that is to, to make something bigger than, than it really is. And that, that's not what's going on here. I've been helped by John Piper as he's 
helped me understand this idea to, to magnify or to glorify. He says this, the, magnify with a microscope and you make a tiny thing look bigger than it is. You can't make God look bigger than he is. A telescope, on the other hand, he says, is designed to make things that are enormous but look little, look more like they are. That's the way we're supposed to magnify God. God created us to display his glory, to make it look more like it really is. So Mary is not making the Lord more than he is already. She's encountering from what God is revealing to her, from her heart, the enormity of his glory, the magnitude of who he truly is, and she sings of who he really is. This is why she magnifies him. This summer, we did the, the Black Hills, sort of South Dakota trip. And on our way, we, we and maybe you've taken this trek, we saw the, the 987 signs leading up to this, this, uh, this place, that, this experience of a lifetime called Waldrug. <laughs> At least that's what it advertised. I'm sorry to all the fans. I know there's probably some folks in here. Wall drug is, is amazing to you. But to me, it was one of those microscope signs. Situa- like it's, it's trying to make something really small look really big. But after coming to the wall drug, after spending a day in the Badlands State Park <clears throat> or uh, National Park, um, there was quite a contrast. It was, if you've been there, the, the beauty, the otherworldly experience of that that place is. It's majestic. It's overwhelming. But then we went to, to Waldrug. It, it was, there was an overselling of something that was a very big letdown. When we encounter God, when we encounter the Lord, like Mary is, her, her joy, her magnifying is a response to the true knowledge and of an experience of who God really is. God's mighty impossible work, his promises that he is fulfilling in bringing a Savior. Her Lord. Her Savior. And she can't help but worship. She desired to make much of God for what he was doing for her. And it was her humble posture that enabled her to experience and know this. Look at verse 48. She says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Mary realized that God saw and looked upon her. The, The Lord's seeing, his looking is, is the looking and seeing is what he has done for her, is what he has done for her people's history, in all of Israel's history. He's heard their cry when they've been in slavery or been oppressed, or times even in their own exile because of their own failings and their own choice of sins. God looks upon his people. She knows she didn't deserve this favor. She knows she doesn't deserve this kind of grace in God's look, but she realizes out of humility 
This is God's kindness and his mercy. This nobody Jewish girl, likely, I don't know, maybe not over 15 years old in this little town of Nazareth, God sees her and he moves upon her in his grace and mercy. This is God's ways. This is God's ways. It's what he does for us. He sees and he moves towards us even though we don't deserve that reality. And when we realize we don't deserve that, and yet we do get it, worship from our heart is what is the right response. And she prophetically testifies of something that will, that will and has come true. Here we are, saints. Consider this. In 2023, we're hearing her song. Her song is one of, of beauty that captures true worship, and we're calling her blessed because of her posture of humility and her desire to honor God in His glory. So we look at her and we honor her as an example of faith, but all of her worship and glory is going to the Lord Himself. So there's no veneration or worship here of Mary. We're not idolizing her in any way. Mary was not sinless. She was not immaculately conceived. She confesses the Lord as her Savior, too, if you notice that. She needs a Messiah. And yet, she comes as a humble servant, as an example of worship and faith. And earlier, Elizabeth blesses her because she believed the Lord's word to her. And she's deflecting all glory away from herself to the Magnificent One. And the mystery of what was going on, she... This great thing that he was doing, she yet did not know. She she knew that Jesus would come to take away the sins of her people, that she knew that it was the promised one, the Son of God that was come in this virgin birth, Christ that would be in her womb, and yet this plan of how it all unfold would be yet known to her. But the promised king was there, and she worshipped And she moves from this expression of her heart personally to describing who God is. Look at verse 49. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Magnify the Lord. Why? Because he is mighty and holy and merciful. The Lord is holy, meaning He's completely set apart and altogether other in His power and purity and perfection and glory. He's Almighty Creator. He's the perfect one in righteousness and in His justice and He's worthy of praise and glory. This is who God is. This is in stark contrast to our culture's concept of God and how often it speaks of God in, in meaningless terms. I love how R.C. Sproul reflects on this. He says, people will speak about a higher power or a force greater than themselves. As long as we can depersonalize God, make him an impersonal force or vague, amorphous power, we have nothing to worry about. Impersonal forces will never hold you accountable for your behavior. You'll never have to face the judgment of cosmic dust. But the God who is, is the God who has a name. 
He is not simply a power, though He has all power. He is He who is mighty. He has done great things for me, and holy is His name. Church, He is more than a power. He he is God, and He's mighty, and He's all-powerful, and He is holy. And He's holy, and yet He is He's merciful. And whom does He have mercy upon? Those, those who fear Him. This, this fear is not like something that is frightening or just being scared of something. This, is, this speaks of awe. It speaks of, of reverence. It is, it is a bending in total honor. Those of humble estate are the ones who fear Him. Proverbs 9.10 tells us the fear of the Lord, this reverential awe is the beginning of wisdom, of really truly knowing or being able to truly worship God. That's why the proud do not worship God. Yet, this awe, this fear, this kind of fear leads to worship and honor the One who is mighty and holy and merciful, not just from their mind, but from their hearts. He's mighty, He's holy, and He's merciful. And look at the way Mary draws attention. Her her song, this worship of humble trust, connects her, she connects herself to the mercy of God that's been unfolding from generation to generation before her. We realize that we're just not, we're not disconnected from a mercy and kindness and might that God has been doing from generations before her. This is where she points God's mercy and His proven faithfulness to His covenant people before her over and over again. That that has a means to to add humility to our hearts. When we realize what we're receiving is something that God has been doing and has promised to do before us. That really, in essence, we're standing on the shoulders. We're experiencing something because God has been faithful to generations before us. I'm in like my mid-40s now, heading towards 50, and I'm, I'm heading today, Lord willing, to Arizona to see my, my parents for Christmas. And it's just given me opportunity to, as I consider this, this song of Mary, generation to generation, to consider God's guidance. on both my mom and my father's side, believing grandparents before them. Their parents revered God, feared God, trusted on Christ. They knew they needed God's mercy, and they sang this song. Our soul magnifies the Lord, our God, our Savior. They modeled faith for another generation on their children and my parents' modeled a humility and a trust on God, they sang, they sang, holy is his name for me to see. That is God's kindness and mercy. Young people, kids, if you're in here, teenagers who are present, do not overlook the worship of God 
that you see modeled in your mom and dad. It's God's mercy for you. It's God's kindness to you. And it's a call for you to turn and trust in Jesus yourself. It is God's mercy, God's mercy for you, God's love for you, that you would be able to see that modeled in your parents. And it is a call for you to also turn in humility to trust in God. You must treasure Christ. You must magnify Christ from your heart as well. Worship him. Turn to him this Christmas. Put your trust in him. Generation to generation, today God's holy, mighty mercy has come to us in Jesus. And we can look back from Adam to Moses to David to Mary to Paul. And where you are today, there's a story that you have. Let that move you this Christmas to a reflection of of worship. Let it move your heart to say, my soul magnifies the Lord. And then we hear of God's promise to save. Her song moves to herself personally of what God and who he is and then his divine actions on behalf of his people. More specifically, what has God done with his holy might and mercy? Look at verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty ones from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. God uses his strength to lift up and save the humble and broken and in his might the proud and the haughty who think they are mighty who look to their means of wealth and personal power and prestige, their greatness and status, their thrones, they in the end will know just emptiness. And just as the Lord looked and saw her humble estate and found favor in God's mercy, she finds herself in the company of many women in generations before. And one of those women was was Hannah. God saw and heard her cry and her affliction. If you remember in 1 Samuel, we've been, and at that point in Israel's history, they, they were a mess. They were in a horrible state of sin and rebellion against the Lord. They were leaderless. They had no one to guide them or lead them as a nation. They were oppressed by enemies. They, they, every, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, and they needed God's mercy to move in and break, on, break in on their behalf. They needed, a, they needed a rescuer. And so what did God do? He, he did one of these impossible birth situations again. He, he heard her cry for a child, for a son, and God answered that and gave her Samuel. God gave her Samuel and and Mary, remember, she, just, she probably had just God's word so filled up in her heart. I don't think she purposely was just repeating this song, but, but it finds beautiful echoes of Hannah. Because in one sense, she was fulfilling what Hannah was prophesying and praying for. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but, but look at some examples here of, of these echoes from Hannah's song to Mary's. Hannah says, my heart exalts in the Lord. I rejoice in your salvation. And Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. 
my Savior. There is none holy like the Lord. Holy is His name. The the bows of the mighty are broken and the feeble bind on strength. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Those who are full have hired themselves out for bread and those who are hungry have ceased to hunger. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. You see, Hannah and Mary's songs is this glad worship from their hearts to a holy God and Savior. And what we, we see what we've been talking about, this, this idea of divine reversals, the proud brought low, the empty, who, were, who have nothing, who are hungry, are fed and are lifted up. And God does this because of His strong, mighty arm. She's echoing ideas of the Old Testament of God saving and rescuing Israel in the Exodus. God now using His strength to bring a Savior, the one that Mary is now singing about. This this reversal, this upside down of God's kingdom. God using unlikely ways to accomplish His redemption. This is God's ways, choosing Hannah, a lowly, nobody barren woman, to have a son whom would be the prophet Samuel. Samuel, God would use to usher in kingship through his prophetic ministry. Samuel would anoint King David, and through David's lineage, a promise, a covenant promise of another king, a better king, and that kingdom would be set up through this Messiah, and it would be an everlasting kingdom, and God would redeem his people through this anointed one. This is the one that Hannah sang of in verse 10 in chapter 2. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed, his Messiah. Mary sings and rejoices for this promised king has come. And Hannah prophesied of this one day and here Mary is experiencing that day fulfilled. The angel told her, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign forever in his kingdom, and in his kingdom there will be no end. Verses 32 and 33. What a reversal in human eyes. Jesus now coming, being born, not in royal clothes or in a palace, but in a manger. God through this young girl, Mary now bringing God's messianic king through her womb and Jesus would come as the ultimate humble servant to redeem a sinful world by a bloody cross. This was his promise foretold that was unfolding that Mary is singing about in verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. God's remembrance of his covenant, his commitment to his mercy and his promises. This was the promise given to Abraham thousands of years before in Genesis. And I will establish my covenant between you and you and your offspring after you throughout their generation for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And then to King David, that he shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. 
steadfast love forever. His steadfast love forever. I mean, it's kind of hard for us to get our head around that. Before time itself started, before there was one second on the first clock, eternity passed, and then through eternity forever, God's steadfast love and commitment to His promises, to His word for His people that He would redeem and save. And now Jesus, the humble servant king, acting here to save his people is a fulfillment of God's promise long ago. The anticipated Redeemer now coming on behalf of his oppressed, sinful people to save. Luke begins his book with a reason that he has written it in verse 1 in chapter 1. To give an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. He is capturing God's fulfillment in Jesus. And we are here seeing that what Mary is singing of. This forever promise, forever commitment. And as a story of Jesus unfolds in the Gospel of Luke, this is some of Jesus' final words in the very last chapter in Luke 24. And Jesus said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. This was what Jesus came to fulfill in his advent. This is what has been called Luke's sort of gospel um, great commission. This is why Jesus came. This This is the grand story of the fulfillment of God's true story planned from the beginning that he would create a people for himself to know and to love. And through this work of Jesus, he would come to those people who have sinned and fallen away in remembrance of his mercy, of his faithfulness, his son Jesus to come and save his people by his suffering, by his rising, so that all who would come in humility and in faith, in repentance upon him, could find forgiveness of sins and know him in this forever glory. Christmas is about the faithfulness of God in Jesus to provide a Savior. God shows us that his sovereign grace is at work to accomplish salvation for his people, not by our faithfulness, not by our might, but by his faithfulness, by his commitment to his glory and his name, and for the forever joy of his people. That is why it is good news, good news of great joy for us this morning. Do you see, do you see this mighty thing he has done for you? So, Where do you find yourself as one of these individuals in this song? Hungry? Hungry? Maybe feeling the poverty and need in your soul? His mercy is for you to fill your soul with this sort of joy. Maybe you're here this morning and there's there's expectations that have been, been sort of dashed unfulfilled disappointment that 
has, feels weighty and hard in your soul. What we get to hear in these forever promises of God is that God's promises find their yes in Christ. The thing that we can find hope in is clinging to God's faithfulness, God's promises. And it's in that that we find hope. Hannah and Mary capture for us this invitation of hope. And for all that would come to humbly trust in the Messiah can find salvation and eternal joy. That's why I love what we sang earlier, this invitation, invitation for salvation and joy in what child is this? Come peasant, king to own him. It's just for all of us to come humbly before him. The king of kings, salvation brings, let loving hearts enthrone him. Raise, raise a song on high. The virgin sings her lullaby. Joy, joy for Christ is born. The babe, the son of Mary. Salvation he brings. The son of Mary, and yet he is the reigning king. He is the glorious, saving son of God who's on his throne now, and this is the anticipation we have. He is a returning king. And so we have in Advent a hope a hope because he has come and a hope because he's coming again to make all things new. And so, Mary's Magnificent invites us to worship, to joy and praise because of who God is, what he has done in fulfillment of his promise of his Savior in Jesus. And we get to magnify him. We get to this Christmas again, come afresh and let our hearts enthrone him, be enthroned by him. His trust in our hearts. His glory in our hearts. His joy in our hearts. Let us rejoice in God, our Savior and Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you that there is, there is a joy, a rejoicing that comes because you are our God and you are our Savior. Lord, and that invitation is for peasant and king, to own you, meaning to trust in you, to bow before you, king of kings. Lord, thank you for the, the joy that comes when we have embraced the Savior. Our joy echoes Mary's joy. What a pray for us this morning. Lord, there's some here that, that they're here and they are there needy and broken and hungry Lord may the promise of your filling us with good things come to their heart Lord if there is expectations and hopes that have been disappointed God I thank you that you can come and you can bring a comfort and a hope that comes through your promises and through the nearness of Jesus. Would you come and do that, Lord? Lord, you look upon our humble estate. You look upon our brokenness, Lord. You look upon our grief, even, so that we may know your comfort and nearness that comes through your brokenness, Jesus. So thank you that you have come as glorious reigning king.
in a way that helps us find comfort because of your humble incarnation. So fill us with your joy today, Lord, I pray. Amen.